You're listening to Hands-On Security, Hunter's Hands-On Security Podcast. Cybersecurity, up close and practical. Hello everyone, this is Dvir Sayag and welcome to Hands-On Security Podcast, Episode 5. In this episode, we are going to discuss different approaches to ransomware attacks and specifically the ransomware group DarkSide. We are tackling this from the threat intel approach and from the threat hunting approach, which can bring different values. With me here today, Brad Mecca and Guy Asur. Brad, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm great, I'm great. Uh, do you want to elaborate about yourself for a little bit? Yeah, uh, so my name is Brad Mecca. I'm Director of Managed Services at Recorded Future. Uh, Recorded Future is a, a threat intelligence provider. Um, I run our managed services team um, at the company. Um, I lead a, a global team of threat response analysts that uh, help our clients in a, in a wide variety of uh, capacities. Um, been with the company for four years now. Prior to that, um, I ran the threat hunting team at Cyber Reason, an endpoint detection and response uh, startup based out of Boston. And then prior to that, I had uh, some stints at RSA dealing with uh, client breaches. And then before that, ran um, an incident response team for uh, advanced manufacturing company based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's where I'm. That's where I'm based out of. So uh, good to good to be here today. Brad is a great uh, threat uh, intelligence uh, like expert, and he will provide a lot of information about it in this uh, episode. And with me here today is also Guy. Guy, please uh, say a few words. Hey, guys. Um, so I'm Guy from uh, Hunters. I'm a threat researcher here. I've been here for uh, one and a half years already. Before that, I was uh, in the IDF, also doing cybersecurity for around uh, six years. So uh, I've been doing this for almost eight years now, and uh, excited to be here. I'm also excited that you guys are here. Um, so as I mentioned before, we are here today to discuss ransomware attacks. We are discussing it because it's still a big thing uh, in the U.S. specifically and all around the world, uh, and it's just getting bigger and bigger. Uh, according to Varonis blog post, like 37 of the respondents' organizations were affected by ransomware in 2020. And experts estimate that ransomware attack will happen uh, every 11 seconds in the U.S. in 2021, uh, which is a lot of ransomware attacks. Um, also, one last thing, the average ransomware payment in 2021, it's 5 $170,000, which is a lot. We will give you a specific example, which is the dark side that became Black Matter Group. Uh, Brad, please elaborate on that for a little bit. Uh, yeah, so, you know, if we look back in the last year or so, um, there's been some really interesting developments in the way that ransomware groups are are uh, are operating. Um, you know, 10 years ago, we would have expected this type of activity to be done at more of like a nation state threat actor level. You know, what we see coming out of um, like China or, you know, Russia or some of these more um, 
sophisticated um, threat actor groups, but we're now seeing this from crimeware gangs and what we're seeing with dark side, which, um, you know, for those that may not know, um, pretty much shut down. They did shut down on earlier in May and have rebranded themselves, um, as black matter, um, mainly because of who they were targeting and, the the substantial impact that they they had um, specifically on America's uh, infrastructure. If we look at some of the companies that they targeted, um, Colonial Pipeline was probably the most uh, uh, most well known just because of how much uh, press coverage it got. But I think one of the the challenges that um, the Dark Side Group had was um, Darkside is a ransomware as a service model. So, you know, they're, they're essentially building the infrastructure, the code and the capabilities. And then, you know, it's like a franchise, like people can come in and buy, buy that capability and then use it, use it at will. So, um, the, the victims aren't necessarily picked by the group itself. Um, there, there's other there's other threat actors that are going out and purchasing those services and then using them at their own discretion. Guy, you have this uh, this like very basic information about ransomware groups and specifically the group that Brad just said. Um, what detections would you recommend doing as a threat researcher? Uh, well, first of all, I just have to say and agree with you guys that ransomware is getting crazy. I mean. Uh, you guys talked about it as well. It's just crazy amounts of money and it's a real problem that all of us are uh, having, like both from a, a cybersecurity perspective, but also like a political and financial problem. Uh, it's getting big and, and scary. So uh, yeah, uh, just had to say that about detections. Uh, so how would I detect this? Um, I guess uh, what I'd start is by looking at the initial access phase, since uh, this is, you know, this is always part of the attack. Like you can't attack an uh, an, an organization without uh, getting the initial access to that organization. Um, usually, that's also a pretty noisy phase that generates a lot of threat signals, since uh, this is before the. Uh, the threat actor has access and can uh, evade the detection uh, because they're not in the environment yet. So um, I know that a lot of threat actors and ransomware groups specifically uh, get initial access by using valid uh, accounts or valid credentials, um, which they get either through phishing or maybe buying uh, credentials uh, in the dark web. So uh, what I do is uh, just try to detect uh, suspicious uh, logins uh, using uh, like trying to find uh, anomalies like uh, maybe a new country that we don't regularly see logging into the environment or a new ASN that we've never seen before or perhaps uh, a new user agent that uh, is anomalous to that user who's logging in now. Uh, so I'd start by looking at uh, those things uh, from what I've seen in uh, real attacks. Then almost al always there will be some kind of uh, anomaly in the logins. 
Um, I guess also ransomware groups have to be uh, somewhat cost effective since they usually don't target just one uh, one environment, but many environments. So they usually want uh, look into every detail, and there will be some kind of um, of signal that we can detect. They usually don't have like the perfect cover. Again, whether it's a new country or whether it's a, a VPS. Uh, which is uh, used a lot for attacks, uh, we, we, we will be able to find something if, if we look into it enough. Um, so that's initial access, I guess. Yeah, yeah. now I'll just add a, a couple more things here. Is all these groups mainly use the same tools at the end of the day, right? Like we, we see, we see Power, PowerShell has been used forever. So everybody's using PowerShell. We're seeing um, data exfiltration still happen over FTP. Um, in this case with DarkSide, we saw um, uh, data exfil happening uh, using secure FTP with our clone. So did F file transfer protocol has been used for data exfil for 15 years now. So it's, it's not like these threat actors are coming up with these um, you know, insanely obfuscated techniques that are impossible to detect. Um, so the, the point I'm trying to make here is when you're doing threat hunting or detection, it's not so much about having this immaculate set of, you know, indicators or YAR rules or, you know, advanced correlation techniques, I think a lot of times it's just attempting to understand what, what are we supposed to see in our environment and then what now becomes an outlier. So if an organization has eradicated the use of, let's say, FTP and secure FTP in their environment because they've moved to more secure and more detectable protocols, when something like an FTP or secure FTP shows up, that sticks out like a sore thumb and becomes an outlier. And then that becomes your, your, your detection. And that's where you start your, your incident response from, from there. Brad, what more information do you think that can help us with this specific consumer group? Um, you know, if you look at, so, you know, we, we talked about like the initial compromise. If we, if we look at the uh, acting on the object objectives and, you know, what, what happens after all that, all that work has been done, um, you know, da data exfiltration is, is still one of those areas where uh, a lot of, um, a lot of security teams get wrong. And um, that's, that's because they don't really understand their own network. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to like completely understand every single bit and bite that comes in and out of your environment, but at the same time, understanding what those data exfiltration techniques are, what, what the, you know, threat actors are using, and then being able to go back and, you know, have a discussion with your network team, like, or look at your firewall uh, rules and say, Hey, do we allow outbound FTP in our environment? Do we allow outbound SFTP? Because in the instance with DarkSide, um, they were they were doing data exfiltration using secure FTP and R clone. 
or win SCP. So looking at it from the network side, are we seeing these protocols in our environment? You probably are because there are valid applications that are using them, but being able to whitelist them or have a discussion with your application team around, hey guys, like we shouldn't be using FTP. We need to find more secure and more resilient protocols to use. And then on the on the endpoint side, what what systems in my environment are executing win SCP or have our clone binaries on them? Um, and then figuring out are these are these valid or not, and how are we using these these applications today is a is a really good starting point. And regardless if it's dark side or not, building a more resilient environment is is not a bad thing. So once you go out and you hunt for these things, and then figure out a way to prevent them from being used, um, will will help you down the line whether it's dark side or whoever the new the new threat actor of the day is. I think that you both mentioned a little bit of like a, a joint effort uh, with like looking for anomalies on the network uh, and uh, talking about the specific details of the specific uh, threat that I'm dealing with right now. But I'm a little bit confused because I am a security analyst. I am like a SOC operator. What what now? I see this group and what now? Um, yeah, I can I can start there. So if if you're gonna do detection and threat hunting, you must have some level of incident response capability. Um, so if we look at you know what is it that you need, um, you need data, um, and you need consistent data across all your endpoints to start with. And if you can't do quality memory analysis, if you can't evaluate binaries and, and how they operate, um, then that would be a really good opportunity to outsource that to somebody that does specialize in that. So you could always do the initial detection yourself, but if things start getting out of control, you're having problems scoping, scoping the incident, um, maybe you got to a point where systems have already been encrypted and data um, data exfils happen. Um, that's where you got to pick up the red bat phone and and have um, an incident response provider with some level of like a retainer that can come in and bring you know three to ten analysts in for a couple weeks to help you out. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean. Uh... Like building a team and uh, understanding more both about your environment and like uh, some security general guidelines and uh, capabilities. That's uh, a really good. Yeah, start. and I think this will come out too if you do like some type of, you know, everybody does like pen testing, um, doing some type of like adversarial simulation where you bring somebody in to simulate an adversary. Um, and then doing some type of like de um, tabletop exercise to show where your your gaps are, and then how how are you going to fill in those gaps? And a, a lot of times, it it's not necessarily like the tools that you have, but it's the people. Um, everyone is severely understaffed, so understanding at what time are we going to bring the right people in, and then having those people ready ready to go is is typically a gap that I that I see with a lot of organizations that are unprepared for something like this. Yeah, but I feel like that um, 
I mean, you really need to decide where do you put your manpower. Do you start investigating the threat group or you start uh, having uh, like uh, anomaly detection group that puts together uh, like all sorts of detection? What, yeah. I mean, it's it sounds like a big problem to understand. Yeah, Brad, I think actually that like I agree with you that having a good and uh, like a large security team is a good practice. But uh, like we all know, yeah. a lot of security teams nowadays are understaffed. So um, yeah. I actually think that uh, the threat intelligence that we talked about before uh, is really important for here because, I mean, one of the advantages that CISOs have today, unlike 10 years ago, is that they're not just trying to protect uh, from a general unknown threat, but there's actual threat groups that are out there. They're, they aren't even trying to hide that much like dark side, like some other ransomware groups. So that's an actual threat that we know and we can uh, like protect ourselves even in advance, even before they attack us. So I think that's uh, one advantage that we have nowadays. And then I guess I'd recommend to security teams nowadays yeah. to, uh, to get to know the enemy, right? To get to know yeah. uh, those ransomware groups and those real uh, big threat actors out there and uh, get to know their TTPs and uh, start from there. I, I was just about to say the same thing, like understand understand the threat landscape and understand the threats that are targeting you is probably a really good first step. And, you know, that's probably one of the most common requests that we get from our clients today is just understanding, like, what does the ransomware threat landscape look like? And being able to provo- provide that report back to executives and say, you know, here's, here's what the ransomware threat landscape looks like here are the ransomware gangs or threat actors that are out there and there are groups out there that are actively targeting our industry or our peers and then now that you've have like more of the strategic side of the intelligence um covered now you want to transition to more like the tactical side of it so you know, asking your, whether you have an internal threat intelligence team yourself, or if you have a threat intelligence provider to come back and say, okay, you just told me that dark side is, is a, is a very prolific uh, group that is targeting my peers in my industry. Um, What are the things that I should be doing to become better prepared to deal with that? And it could be things like they're using these CVEs for exploitation uh, let's make sure that those are patched. Um, they're targeting my VPN gateway. You talked about the password spraying before. Um, how do we make sure that our VPN gateways are properly secured and that we have proper logging to detect that password spraying? Um, you talked about like purchasing credentials. Um, how do we make sure that we have two-factor authentication deployed across all of our internet-facing um, uh, systems? And how do we make sure that when credentials are being stolen and sold that we could detect that and then perform some type of uh, password reset or some type of active directory reset to make sure that those credentials can no longer be used. So it's a combination of detection and then also putting preventative controls in place as soon as possible to uh, either slow down, you know, or degrade, degrade these threat actors. I have an interesting question. Uh, if like there is a, a big uh, like ransomware attack in the U.S. right now, and I am a CISO uh, in a, 
don't know, like a meat company in Israel. Uh, should I be, I'm coming to you, Brad, as my security practitioner, and I'm asking you, are we okay? Are we, should, be, should we be afraid? Like, what would you say to me? Um, I, I would say, <laughs> uh, you know, ba- based on the ransomware threat landscape and the threat actors that we are um, seeing targeting various industries, we, we are an industry that is being targeted. Here are the threat actors that are actively targeting our peers. Um, these, these are the common ways that they're infiltrating um, organizations. And here are the gaps. I think we have to talk about the gaps that we have today. And here are the recommended um, remediation and mitigation strategies that I would like to put in place over the next uh, six months. And here's the budget that I'm going to need in order for us to implement these detection and and mitigation strategies. So you got to, you got to tie it back to the the funding and have, have a plan in place. So I think this is a good bottom line that uh, every, every company, even if, uh, the specific uh, like in this industry is not the one that is that got hit. Every company uh, can use uh, these kinds of attacks to see how they can do better and how uh, they can make them uh, more secure than before. Um, Guy, do you have any last words that you want to say? Uh, well, like I mentioned before, I think that ransomware is getting crazy and it's a huge problem. And uh, I think like on the one hand, like things are getting bad and uh, there's a lot of attacks out there and uh, it is dangerous and uh, it's not just an invisible threat anymore. Uh, but on the other hand, I think that uh, we do have some advantage nowadays that uh, we know the enemy more than before. Uh, like we know ransomware groups or entire companies, threat intelligence companies that uh, look into those groups and uh, give us a lot of intelligence, uh, both about the motives of these groups and the techniques that those groups use. And I think uh, that's a good advantage because instead of uh, protecting our networks from some uh, invisible advanced threat, uh, we can protect the, our networks and our environment from specific threats that we know are real. And uh, that's a good place to start. Thank you, Guy, and thank you, Brad. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, um, thanks. And uh, to sum up, we gave some really important tips today regarding ransomware attacks and regarding how to build your environment to deal with this kind of attacks. Uh, everyone can feel free to contact any one of us via Twitter or LinkedIn. And we will see you guys next time on episode number six. Thank you. This was Hands-On Security. Everything you need to know about cybersecurity, up close and practical.